Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Diane, and thank you, Christine. It's a beautiful story of a, a child, and a child, move, the, the family moves to a new neighborhood. And it's a story of finding a new friend and then, and then becoming friends, best friends, and then, oh no, the family has to move again. And so it's the story of the child coming to terms with that. But I'd like to mention, bring up another story. I wonder if you have seen the movie Manchester by the Sea. Casey Affleck plays a character who grew up in Manchester by the Sea. It is a tight-knit community on the Atlantic coast. Casey Affleck's character doesn't live there anymore. Casey moved away after the worst thing happened. So perhaps you can picture a normal night in the small coastal town. Casey has his buddies over to drink beers and shoot pool in the basement. His kids are asleep on the second floor. Things get raucous, so much laughter, banter, even shouting around the pool table. Then his wife, played by Michelle Williams, comes downstairs wearing her nightgown. She does not look impressed. Not only is the gang keeping her awake, they are at risk of waking up the kids on the second floor. So she shuts down the party. The guys leave, but Casey Affleck does not go to sleep. He's burnt out from working and parenting and needs to unwind. Why does she not understand that he needs to unwind? Casey decides that what he needs is a trip to the convenience store. He walks, being in no condition to drive. He is bundled up on this winter night and on the walk back, hugging his munchies close, he hears a siren. The siren behind him gets closer. A fire truck whizzes past him. He walks on. Approaching his property, he again sees the flashing lights of the fire truck and he sees the fire. It is his house that is ablaze. An ambulance is already on the scene. His wife is screaming for her children. And then the firemen confirm what Casey already knows. It is too late. There is no going back in for the kids. The kids on the second floor did not make it. The next scene is at the police station. It's a small town and everyone knows each other. Casey says what happened. Before going to the convenience store, he stoked the fire in the fireplace to warm up the house for the kids but he forgot to replace the grating. A log must have rolled out and started the house fire. It is Casey's fault and he knows it. Now the police chief have knows, has known him since he was a baby. The police chief says, we're all human. The police chief says, a million people make mistakes every day. This does not heal Casey's soul nor does it bring his wife's forgiveness. 
she divorces him. The next thing we know, he is living in the big city, working in a job with people he doesn't respect. Years pass, scenes of him dead to the world, a vacant look in his eyes at work, a vacant look in his eyes alone at home, and picking fights at a bar for years. And then another death, his older brother this time brings him back to Manchester by the sea. His brother left him custody of his kid, Casey's nephew. So he has to move back. Trying to get a job, he goes to an old friend's fishery to ask about openings. After he leaves, a woman who works at the fishery says, I never want to see him around here again. She remembers that tragic night. She remembers his mistake. Oh, she remembers. Months pass as Casey tries to make a life with his nephew. His nephew has all the complications of girlfriends, school, hockey, a band. Casey has nothing, no friends, only the burden of what he did. Finally, it is time for his brother's funeral, which was delayed until the ground defrosted. People show up to honor his brother, but not to console Casey. His ex-wife shows up at the funeral. They haven't spoken probably since his mistake killed their children. She comes to the funeral to pay her respects, but she also has something to say to Casey. So I wonder if you're ready for this. She says to him, I love you. I'm sorry for how I treated you after the accident. His wife has a new husband and a new baby. She doesn't want to get back together with him. She just wants to tell him that she loves him. Even with that gift, there is no Hollywood ending. The town does not welcome him back into the fold with fireworks and high fives. Casey moves back to the big city alone. Our hurts can seem insurmountable. We make mistakes because we're human. And those mistakes can build on each other until there is a wall between us. When I look at you, I don't see you, I see the wall. Even if we can get past the wall, we can feel like we're walk walking on eggshells so as not to reignite the passions of hurt. As a community, sometimes we don't know how to shed our skin and so we carry a burden, whatever we do. Part of the work of interim ministry is to notice the hurts that have built up and notice our patterns of how we engage or don't engage with those hurts. So let's look at the types of hurts we've experienced in this church. Someone was heavy handed. Someone spoke to me rudely or ignorantly. Someone made a, a decision that I don't respect. Someone didn't include me in a decision. 
someone didn't trust me or they didn't trust my good intentions. Someone made assumptions about me. I lost a minister who I loved. Someone abandoned one of our principles or someone has a surprising interpretation of one of our principles or someone didn't grasp the full significance of our principles. And maybe, maybe you could add one or two things to that list. So the February listening session was almost a year ago. The listening session allowed for some hurts to be expressed, but the session also created new hurts. Since then, almost a year has passed. There's been time for reflection on what happened. I've heard some people say, I wish that I had acted differently. I've heard some people say, I apologize. I've heard some people say, it still hurts. So what do you need to resolve your hurts? What do you need so that you and we no longer carry that burden? What do you need so that the system is fully alive, a living tradition, not a bogged down tradition? Do you need to be heard? Sometimes it's as simple as I just need to be heard. I say that really hurt. You say, I believe you, that thing I did really hurt you. And then I say, wow, I feel better already. That's all I needed. Maybe you need to hear more contrition, not just I hear you, but I am so sorry that you had that experience or I'm, even I'm so sorry that I caused that experience. Maybe to resolve your hurts, you need time, love and tenderness. In the book, The Seven Principles of Making Marriage Work, John Gottman and Nan Silver say that relationships work when there is friendship. All of the communication techniques in the world won't work when there isn't friendship. And friendship can handle the occasional hurts of day-to-day -day life. So maybe what you need is friendship and a bit of time for that water of hurt to go under the bridge. So under what do you need to put a hurt to rest as we enter the new year. If we do an internet search for the phrase four-part apology, you will learn that there are four parts to an apology. The top search results all agree about that, even as they disagree about what the four parts are. And if you do an internet search for the phrase five-part apology, you'll learn that there are five parts to an apology. Again, agreeing about that, even as they disagree about what those five parts are. And the same is true if you do an internet search for six part apology or even seven part apology. So I am going to offer a four part apology with the awareness that there are many ways to apologize. The first part of the apology is to say what you did. You might say, I stepped on your foot. 
The second part of the apology is to acknowledge the hurt. So you might say, you felt pain when I stepped on your foot. The third part of the apology is to make amends. You might ask, what do you need to make things right? They might say, saying sorry is enough, we're good. Or they might say, ice cream would be nice. So the fourth and final part of the apology is to actually change your behavior. So you might say, I'll look where I'm going in the future. Or you might have a conversation about how, actually, I don't know if I can change my behavior, but you would have that conversation. A full four-part apology can help us to put down the burdens of hurt and move forward as a living system. And let's be conscious not only of what we want to let go of, but of what we want to carry forward. As those marriage counselors, the Gottmans say, let's carry forward our relationship, our friendship. Let's enjoy being together. Let's continue to share our hearts like we do every week in joys and concerns. Let's continue to sing together. Let's continue to grapple with our principles together. Let's carry forward our wonderful memories and traditions. Let's continue to share life. And let's carry forward our covenant. Our church covenant is that holding this community dear and inspired by our common principles, the spirit in me welcomes the spirit in you. We celebrate our connections and our diversity. We care for one another and for ourselves. We listen to one another with respect and open hearts, intending to understand. We speak to one another with kindness, intending to be understood. We all share our gifts to build and nurture this beloved community, our spiritual home. So that is so beautiful. Let's carry forward our covenant. And let's carry forward our principles and our sources, which serve as our core and our guiding light. From last year, let's carry forward everyone's experience. Your experience is not water under the bridge. Your experience is part of our living tradition. Even as we process our hurts and release our hurts, your story is part of our story. And our living tradition includes all of our stories. Let's carry forward both trust and the commitment to regain trust when it is lost. Let's carry forward our growing ability to have conversations when we have different opinions about important things. Let's carry forward our wonder about each other. How did you arrive to be who you are, different from me and still fully human? What a wonderful group of things to carry forward. And let's put down some more things. What more do we want to let go of? What patterns do we have that never served us well or what patterns have served us well in the past but aren't serving us now? I'll name, I'll name one. Let's let go of polarization. 
In the book, Polarity Management, Barry Johnson describes polarization as when you can see the upside of your own point of view, and you can see the downside of someone else's point of view. So sometimes if I'm in an argument with someone, I'll say, you can see your point of view very clearly. <laughs> um, so if we can overcome polarization in this church, maybe we can help to overcome it in the larger world. You can overcome polarization by honoring that there is a downside to your point of view, and there is an upside to the other person's point of view. It's almost always the case that you can do that. Another way to let go of polarization is to stop assuming that a disagreement about one thing implies a disagreement about everything. I facilitated a conversation this week with Sarah Bly, Bill Ellis, Ali Louie, and Jean Powers. These four are on the transition team, helping us to do the work of interim ministry. And they are on a subgroup of the transition team called the practice group. The practice group will help us to practice sharing our perspectives and listening to each other. And the practice group actually did a practice session this week, just among ourselves. We found that we had opinions about last year, a range of opinions. Nobody could be boxed in. If you knew one thing about one thing about how they felt about the minister, that didn't mean you knew everything they knew about the minister, let alone the board. So we practiced letting go of assumptions, sharing our perspectives, and hearing each other. Assumptions about polarization melted away. The practice group is going to practice at least one more time before inviting the whole church into practice groups. And I hope that when the time comes, you'll join and practice seeing each other beyond polarizing assumptions. In the movie Manchester by the Sea, there is not a happy ending. Casey doesn't put down the hurt and the community doesn't put down the hurt. What gives me hope is that we are more resourced than Casey. Casey didn't go to a workshop on difficult conversations. Casey didn't watch the Megan Phelps Roper video on speaking across points of view. Casey didn't learn about appreciative inquiry. Casey didn't engage in deliberative practice. And more important than all, Casey wasn't part of a congregation committed to love, justice, community, the living tradition. Casey wasn't part of a congregation that sings together, shares joy and sorrows together, does good works together. What gives me hope is that we are meeting this moment. We can renew ourselves and renew our church. May we have the patience and love to address hurts that need tending. May we have the grace to let some hurts be water under the bridge. May we love the human condition and embrace that we won't always get things right. And may we enjoy the fabulousness that is ever present here. Like Terry's dog wisely said last Sunday, we love each other and may we each be the first to reach out with love. <laughs>